You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shaka Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Retail Perch. And as promised, we keep bringing you new topics, some mostly to do with grocery retail, not directly to do with grocery retail, but definitely interesting topics. And Gary, believe it or not, yesterday we got our first few flurries of the season. And I know out in Denver, you must have gotten a bunch. So surprisingly, no, we haven't had any snow yet here in Denver. But but out in the mountains there, they've got some and they're supposed to be getting a lot the next couple of days. That's cool. I know up in Boston, they got a couple of inches and our guest uh, today is from Boston. So she's probably experienced some of the white stuff. So anyway, listen, if you're, if you've been listening to the retail products, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for your support. Hopefully we're bringing you some interesting topics. And if you have any comments and suggestions, uh, you know how to reach us. Just listen at the end of the episode, you can get our email address and our social media handles. Make sure you do that. But today, I don't want to waste any time because we have a super, super interesting episode. And I think there's going to be more than three people on the call, I believe, today on the podcast, potentially. Uh, Although there's only one additional guest, we may have a bunch of (laughs) uninvited guests show up and uh, we'll let you know what that suspense is. But coming from Boston is our guest for this week, Rupal. Rupal, welcome to the Retail Perch. Thank you, Shaker. Thanks. Nice to see you both today. My name is Rupal Patel, and I'm the founder and CEO of Vocal ID, which is a, um, an AI company that creates synthetic voices that can be used in all sorts of text-to-speech applications. Think about things that talk, and you want to have a unique voice for those um, applications. Okay, we're going to get to that. But first, we want to learn a little bit more about you, Rupal. So what, what's your background, and what, what's your, you know... Would you go to school? How did you wind up doing what you're doing? So, well, I can go all the way back. I'm actually, I'm Canadian. <laughs> if you want to pick up the A's and A's later on. So I, I went to school at the, you are too, Gary? Are you also Canadian? No, no. no. Oh, okay. All right. I thought I saw you say. Uh, I was close. So I'm originally from Syracuse, New close York. Not so not, not far from the border. I yeah. see. Yeah. So I actually grew up most of my life in in, uh, in Calgary and in, did my schooling in Canada in psychology and then kind of really got interested in technology and, and how to use it for people with speech disabilities. So I did my master's and PhD in the area of speech language pathology and acoustics. Came to the U.S. when I was starting in my academic position. So I have a, I'm a faculty member at Northeastern University here in Boston, but about seven years ago, I took a leave of absence to launch this company. So I come from a clinical background, but also have been really interested in voice technologies for, for a number of years. So this is our first real PhD on the show, Karen. We've had a doctor of pharmacology. I guess we're moving up here. I mean, we're getting people more educated. <laughs> we so are. That, that's awesome. So what did you teach at the Northeastern? So I teach in in a couple of different programs. I'm a joint appointed across the Bouvet College of Health Sciences and also the Curie College of Computer Science. So most of what I teach is around speech technologies and how people with different kinds of um, speech disabilities would have to have an augmentative system to communicate. So a, a different method to communicate rather than natural speech. So my lab is focused on developing those kinds of uh, user interfaces and really thinking about the integration of these tools into their daily communication patterns. 
So I also teach in, 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 well, I don't do as much teaching per se, but much more research on the computer science side in an area called personal health informatics, which is a PhD program that I helped found back in 2011. Really cool. This is cool stuff. So, I mean, as you were saying all that stuff about your background, there's just uh, images flashing in front of my head of all the cool things you can do with your technology, but we'll, we'll get to that. And I, I think the reason uh, we got interested in talking to you, Rupal, is, you know, we, several episodes ago, we spoke to John Stein about, you know, voice and privacy and how retailers are planning to use voice. And, but before we get to that, and I'm sure we will in a few minutes, help us understand what, what does, what does your company do specifically? And, you know, when you talk about synthesized voice, what does that mean? You know, today we hear so much uh, synthetic speech and audio that's generated, uh, you know, by computers, right? And so you think about Siri, think about Alexa, think about your GPS. And there's many, many instances. We have some of the lower tech or things that are pretty old now. If you think about going through a parking garage and you hear, you know, please insert your ticket to the right. Like that's a very, very archaic speech synthesizer. And then we've got much more human-like sounding synthesis nowadays with the conversational AI. So there's a big range. It used to be that speech, I mean, we've been thinking about man, women have been thinking about how to recreate speech by machines for decades um, and for centuries, actually. You know, there were machines that actually were built in order to like mechanical machines to regenerate speech that had bellows and pipes and things like that. Today, we do that digitally, right? And so in the last two decades or so, there's been an explosion of research and um, development in the area of speech synthesis again. So for a while, we had gotten to a place where synthesis was good enough. Like you think about the kind of voice that Stephen Hawking had, right? It was sort of good enough, but it sounded pretty robotic. But as machine learning and AI advanced, we started to be able to create much more nuanced and much more hyper-realistic voices. And you think today where there's even starting to be controversies around, is it too good? Like right in the Anthony Bourdain case, for example, is that, was that meant to convince? Was that meant to, you know, somehow deceive people? So really, I think the advances in AI have helped a lot in this field. So for a long time, speech synthesis was funded through the Department of Defense. And when it got good enough, that was kind of when that dropped off. Speech recognition continued to be invested in, but synthesis kind of stayed. And then the last few, I'd say the last couple of decades is where we started seeing more interest in making it more human-like, more persuasive, and all of those things as well. So has it gone past the uncanny valley? So it's interesting. This question about uncanny valley comes up all the time. Like, do we have uncanny valley in audio? And I think that we Definitely do. But I think one of the things is it's around intention. So on the one end, people will tell you, you know, it's not good enough. It doesn't quite sound human-like. Oh, I hear it. You know, I hear it in the sounds here or the sounds there. So if you if they know, if someone's listening, they know that they're listening to artificial speech, then they'll be like, oh, I hear it. If they have no idea, usually it didn't, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't strike them as that. And for example, in that, in that movie, nobody knew until it was revealed, oh, that you were listening to a synthesized version. And, and I think the idea of, of synthesized um, sometimes is a misnomer because you still start with human speech and then you mathematically model that human speech to recreate what that person didn't actually say or record, right? And so it's a derivative of the original speech recordings, right? I do want to yeah. clarify to our listeners that we are listening to the real Rupal Patel today. <laughs> <laughs> For now. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> and not a synthesizer. That's that's fascinating. So so keep going. So so I also want to explain to people what Uncanny Valley is. So there is this, uh, and maybe you can do this better, uh, Rupal. But in, in AI or any kind of image synthesis or robotics, really, uh, when something starts to look too human then there's a creepiness factor that comes in. You, you're, you want some things to look a little robotic and you're comfortable with it. The minute it starts looking too, too real, it creeps you out. And you've got to get past that valley to really, and, and, you know, and, and a lot of technologies, especially dolls, I think people think about you know, dolls being, you know, if it's too creepily human, it's like freaks you out. And I guess the same thing can happen to voice now, right? So. Oh, yeah. But I think that's also an evolving kind of societal, you know, construct, because if you think about like American doll, right, and a lot of these new dolls now where, I mean, they're they're down to the eyelash in terms of realism, right? And so maybe... 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would have been freaked out by this. But if the expectations of today's consumer is actually pretty different than it was then, right? In terms of realism, our expectation, for example, if we look at computer generated video, right? If we watch a, a CGI movie these days, I mean, it, it has to be really quite real. No one's being creeped out by that because you know it's CGI, right? And so I think that a lot of this stuff is an evolving conversation and people sort of have in their back of the mind, it can't get to X or Y. But I mean, I, I'd love to do that research again on a different subgroup of people who are, who, who are digital natives, right? They've grown up with this and they would probably look at the games we played like Mario Brothers and things like that when we were younger and go, what the heck is this? You know, right. <laughs> that's so unrealistic. That's right. <laughs> so. That's right. So fascinating. So, so what kind of applications do you see for this kind of technology? So we actually got our start in, in assistive technology, as I was mentioning earlier with sort of Stephen Hawking and, and people who have are unable to speak, given my background. I started this company really around a focus on can we create individualized voices for people who have to rely on a device to talk, right? And so we had method, we had figured out a method where we could create a unique voice that sounded like that person by taking whatever they could still make with their voice and then having everyday people like you and I who were similar to them in age and gender and demographics and so on and uh, have that person, that speech donor, record a bunch of speech. And then we would merge through these digital processes a way to create their own unique voice so they sounded like an individual and not like an ATM or, you know, a GPS or whatever. And as so that was back in 20, really that research started 2007 through 2013, 14, right, in the lab first and then into this company. As I was mentioning, as AI and ML started becoming much more sort of apply to this area of speech synthesis, we started seeing, wow, we can actually do more. So it's not about just gluing together little bits. So like when we first started, we were gluing together little bits of speech. So what you do is you record a bunch of speech, you cut it up, cut it up into its atomic units. And then what you do is you find all those atomic units for things that hadn't been said before and glue them together. In fact, that's how Siri, Alexa, and so on in the initial days were sort of built. In fact, Siri is still built that way, but it's thousands, if not millions of those little atomic units. And that's why it's so expensive to build a synthetic voice. But as these new methods came in of what we call parameterized synthesis or neural synthesis, you can do, you can build a voice with much less audio and you don't, you're not actually gluing together little bits of speech. What you're doing now is you're training the computer to have audio 
as well as the text together and to understand or to, to learn really how when you see this particular character, how that person pronounces it. And not just sounds and letters, but also the rhythm of their voice, the melody of their voice and all of that. So it's really fascinating what's possible. Like an artificial now. voice box. Yeah. Yeah, but a voice box just produces the pitch of your voice and the rhythm, but the rest of your, you know, like your lips and your tongue actually produce the consonants and vowels. So it's an artificial vocal system more than just an artificial voice box. It seems that there's maybe two pieces uh, to this, Rupal. And again, I'm not the technologist here. I know enough to be dangerous, right? But, uh, you know, it certainly sounds like one piece of what you're doing is taking, for example, from text and then using AIML to create a, a synthesized voice that's able to understand intention or emotion or something from that text. Or are you also creating systems using synthesized voices that can sit on some type of data and understand a query, a question, whatever, and then synthesize a response? So it's actually not that deep. So in terms of, it's not going into the language understanding part. This is text to speech. So our models that we build, you feed a text after it's been trained, you feed it text and it returns back speech. It doesn't know the intent behind the voice and it doesn't know the, like the, I mean, it has some rules of language, but it's not a language generation system. So when you think about a conversational AI system, there's actually multiple technologies there. And this is one of the five or seven different technologies that make up an entire conversational system. This is the final mile of turning the text into audio. Okay. Got it. So there's no inside voice, outside voice, angry voice, irritated voice. <laughs> well, there can be. So if you feed okay. it, so if you feed it, for example, we can make different styles of voices, like you said, the inside voice or you know your school voice or whatever it may be. So you feed it styles and you tell it, okay, I want you to say this like it is uh, just conversational and this other thing, like it's read like a disclaimer or whatever it may be. And that you can do. So you can have different styles, but you have to, the, um, the system that comes before it, which is the natural language generation unit, has to tell it to say chunk X in this way or chunk Y in this got other it, way. Okay. There's the metadata associated with that text. Yes. That, okay, provide Correct. that information. Correct. That's terrific. I mean, I can see this being of use in multiple. Yeah. And, you know, thinking back to like some of our conversation with John, you know, we had a discussion around sort of each brand having its own voice uh, identity or voice, you know, voice as a brand, right? Yeah. And that sounds like, Rupal, what you really are able to do and, and help with. Exactly. So we really, we work with brands and organizations, you know, these days, almost all the information that we're gathering about companies and so on is a lot of it is through, is through voice, right? Because I mean, visual information is being listened to less and less, it's being read less and less. And now we're listening through all sorts of channels, streaming and all. And so the idea here is that those messages and those, the ways that you reach your audience should be branded. So if you're, uh, let's say your Pizza Hut, the voice that you have for your delivery system should sound different than Domino's, right? If you're in a grocery store, the overhead marketing should sound different than it is in, you know, in a different grocery store, your competitor. So it's really thinking about, you know, people have, like companies have had 
brand spokespeople before, but that doesn't really scale that well in terms of contextually relevant messaging. And yet now this AI, once you make that brand spokesperson or whoever those voices are capable of being also rendered through AI, now you have the capability of being far more you know, contextual is also relevant in the moment, which is, I think, a really important feature in terms of what AI can do for, for retail, I think. And I know um, I, a little bit earlier, I listened to some of the different sample clips you had on your website. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it really struck me how natural sounding they are. You know, yeah. there's still so many systems that, that you encounter that, you know, are, are still that, you know, it's, artificial yeah, right yeah. but yeah. you know the number of the clips i listened to on your site were very very natural yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting with pharmacies in particular, we've been trying to think about ways, you know, one of the biggest costs for pharmacies is having to restock medications that they've already, you know, stocked for you or gotten into or fixed out for you so that you can go pick it up. But if you don't pick it up, they have to then after some period of time, they have to restock it and it's a cost for them. Right. And so one of the things that we've been really thinking about is, are there ways to entice the person to come back? The first time CVS calls you and the 18th time they call you, it sounds the same. There's no difference. But if you were a loved one and you're trying to get someone to, to take their medication, what do you do? The first few times you might say it nicely. And then afterwards, you're sort of like a little bit more convincing around that, right? <laughs> um, oh my so, God. you know, not that we need our, 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 you know, tell systems to basically be yelling at us, but there is a change in tone or just understanding that, hey, it's kind of important. I'm trying to do this for you, right? So like, I feel like there's so many missed opportunities here to hmm. take care of the tone of the voice or to think about, how it's being delivered, who's delivering it, public service announcements, for example, right? We had such a problem with public service uh, announcements during this pandemic, where a lot of those messages were said in a voice that was a pretty neutral sounding, it's not going to offend anybody kind of voice, let's call it a Midwestern voice, right? But like, if you're trying to get people in the South, or people in the in different regions of the world, and even the country to listen to that and follow through with that, if it doesn't sound like them, the trust factor, the trust factor needs to be there. That's what voice is good for. Voice is not just an information channel. Voice is a trust channel. And I think that's really missing. That's a fascinating way. I mean, uh, Gary, I'm not sure if you watched the movie Her with Yoko Phoenix. <laughs> yep. That's what it reminds me of, right? So obviously he trusted the computer too much, but uh, <laughs> in that yes. case... So, so uh, Rupal, this is fascinating. Before we get into the, you know, into the brand voice stuff a little deeper, help us understand how how is this, how does this happen? I mean, what's what's going on without going too deep into the technology? What's the nuts and bolts of how this is put together? Yeah, so right now for the for commercial applications, we actually work with professional voice talent. So that's been one of our biggest challenges is to kind of to get the professional voice talent to think about, well, how is this an opportunity for them and not something that's a threat to their, their work, right? They, they, they do this for a living. So one of the things that we've been talking with them about is how do you extend yourself? So it's not about replacing yourself. It's about 
like voice talent is a, it's a, um, it's a volumes game, right? And so the more you do, the more you earn, right? And so a lot of that work right now is going to, you know, Siri, Alexa, whatever generic voice. But if you can be the voice of, let's say, a brand like CVS or Walgreens, for lots of different things across the omni-channel, that ends up becoming something that's actually could be really uh, potentially um, revenue generating for you. So what we do is we start off with the talent recording approximately 90 minutes of audio. You can build a voice with any amount of audio, really. It's just not going to sound high fidelity enough until you have enough data to capture the way that this person speaks, as well as the, the melodic contours of how they speak. So all of that we need, right? Then that text, as I mentioned before, as well as the audio time aligned is fed to a set of algorithms that um, are essentially learning correlations between text symbols and the audio signal. Um, and over time, you build up this deep learning model of, of the speech. And then what you can do is the once the model has been trained and it has, you know, all the parameters have been tuned, now you can type in any new piece of content and make it sound like that person. And you'll get about 90% of the way there with the technology itself. And in other words, you know, you type something in and you get something that sounds pretty good, right? The samples that Gary was talking about that are on our website, some of them are, you know, first try, second try, some of them are 20th try. The reason is because speech isn't exactly the same, the way it's written, right? So when you, when you say something out loud, you can say it in so many different ways. There's all sorts of intonation and so on. So what you have to actually do is manipulate the speech that comes out of the system. And that's also an art to kind of get it to be convincing or to stop at the right times and so on. The other thing is that when you are training these systems, we are typically asking talent to read aloud content. And yet read speech is different from spoken speech. And when we want it to speak, we want it to sound like more like it's talking as opposed to it's reading something aloud, right? right? And so these are some of the challenges, but that's just the nuts and bolts of how this technology works. Wow. Wow. Yeah. There was another movie that I was reminded of. I think this is one of the Mission Impossibles where he changes his face and wears this mask, rubber mask. Yes. I mean, and then he rips it off at the he, end. He sticks some voice synthesizer. Yeah, he's got a little chip. Yeah, yeah. A little chip that he puts in. You know, guys, it's all becoming real. Can you believe it? <laughs> so sci-fi is always a predictor of uh, of new innovations. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> yeah, it, so is. it is. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, so what is? I don't I know. For our for our listeners here, can we play a little sample that you may have? You have access to it, Rupal. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about what it means to retail and where things are going. We had a really interesting conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about advertising in the metaverse world. And, uh, you know, you can, I, I can easily see synthetic voice fitting into that, right? Because you could have a brand uh, in the metaverse actually talking to you. And it's not a real person, but it's the brand, AI brand rep, right? So... Yeah, absolutely. So I can play some samples. I also would love to show you how it works in terms of how to tune the voice as well. So let me play you a couple samples here. Yeah, let's do it. And I think you should be able to share your screen. And for those of you who are listening to this podcast, obviously you're not going to be able to see the screen, but you can go to the YouTube channel of the Retail Perch and see this demo that we're kind of talking through right now. So... Yeah, so I'm first I'm just going to show you like a couple of samples and I'm going to actually show you the interface as well. So here's a sample. 
At Casper, we've taken sleep to the next level. Temperature regulation feels like sleeping with a cool breeze through the windows. Get the sleep you've always dreamed of with Casper. So that spot would have taken, you know, maybe a couple of weeks to kind of do, or even a few days, right? Instead, you just type it into Portal and then you try it out, see what you like, add some music to it, and boom, it's done, right? It's oh, minutes on, from on, text on, to on, speech. On. So, so what you're saying is that all you really did here is this person came in, recorded 90 minutes of audio, went through your system, learned their voice and their intonations. Then you enter a piece of text into some window and say, play it through this person's voice. And, and what you're playing back is that text being spoken in that person's voice. Correct. Yeah. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Let, let's do this. Let's do a little example here. Retail Purge. Um, I'm going to pick a voice. But let's just pick that same voice. So these are all the various different, we call them voice dubs. Um, and I'm going to create this sample here. And this is probably not what the ad would say, but I'm just making it up for now. I'm just going to show you how quick it is. So you hit the generate button and now it's pulling that model that we made of this gentleman's voice from the cloud and generating this sample within the second that you just saw it. Okay. At Casper, sleep is just a moment away. Now I can do things like put a comma right after Casper and hit it again. And you can see that, you know, it's like what you heard in terms of quality. At Casper, sleep is just a moment away. Right? So you took a little bit of a breath there. And I actually was thinking about, you know, showing you this. And I was thinking maybe even a, a grocery store kind of sample here. So let me just, I had some text before. What if you were going to use this a little bit more contextually, right? In terms of maybe someone shopping in a grocery store. And you want to tell them that something is on, uh, on a special today, right? So I'll take a different voice just for example's case here. Um, and I'll take this woman's voice. So again, every voice model has been trained on that much speech. It takes us about two to three weeks to generate that model and to test it and QA it and so on. And once it's ready, though, we can type in any of this content. So here we go. Good evening, star market shoppers. Are you still looking for a healthy dinner plan for tonight? Stop by the fish counter. We have fresh Atlantic salmon steaks on sale. So, um, you know, not completely accurate, but you can do now things like star market shoppers. You can do things like maybe speed that up a little bit. Um, you want to say a healthy dinner for tonight. Maybe I say that, you know, maybe in a slightly excited tone. I mean, I'm doing a few random things now, yeah. which I haven't tried before, so they might sound terrible, but you get the idea. There's an ability to control speed, pitch, loudness, the tone. You can stress a word and say something like fresh Atlantic salmon and generate it again. And so what we call this interface, it's called Parrot Studio, but it basically is like a no-code or low-code method of generating the audio and manipulating it like anybody. And, you know, and even a store manager can do this. They can just type it in and it's in that branded voice. Mm. Um, we can listen again. Good evening, Star Market Shoppers. Are you still looking for a healthy dinner plan for tonight? Stop by the fish counter. We have fresh Atlantic salmon steaks on sale. <laughs> Good evening. Maybe a little too much on the fresh because it's a little bit unnatural. But as I, I said, I, you know. <laughs> explain to people what we're seeing here. If you're on YouTube and you're watching this, you should, uh, by the way. But in case you're not, we're seeing a uh, basically an application on a web page where Rupal is typing in some text. And she has some controls where she can adjust the pitch and stressing on specific words and generate a speech sample. And that's what she's playing back. So 
this is like ultra cool. I mean, I could, I'm just thinking of devious ways of using this with my wife, maybe at some point. <laughs> <laughs> this goes a lot of places. I know, I know. You really got me thinking. But this is fascinating. The application to retail is amazing because, you know, this happens all the time, right, Gary? You walk into a store and there's announcements coming over the uh, speakers all the time. And I'm guessing today somebody's actually sitting and saying that either live or they're pre-recorded and playing back, correct? Yeah, so that's exactly right. Someone is sitting in front of a microphone somewhere recording those segments that are then played you know, periodically or whatever schedule. But I, I'm sure it is very few retailers or that that stop to think about or consider that voice really representing or becoming part of or being their brand, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, think about within a typical supermarket. You know, you've got the 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 overall retailer brand. The bakery could have its brand. The deli, the seafood department, the butcher. You could have a field day with this stuff. Absolutely. It's like localization within the store, right? Yeah. Um, and today, it, it, I mean, in this example, I was even showing you can and sell things, right? Now, you, if you have the specials as part of the messaging, you know, part, I, I think I had written a little bit more like, you know, if you want a recipe, right? Imagine if you're grocery shopping and you could get a recipe that is based on the things that are on sale today. I mean, how many of us go to the grocery store right before dinner and try to figure out what we're going to make yeah. that day, right? So things like that. Imagine you have an app. You're walking around the grocery store and voice messages and telling you what to buy, right? There's so much here that we haven't even touched on. Oh, yet. yeah. The size of these files, of these generated speech files, I'm looking at this. This is like, what, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, and it's about under a meg, Right. Yeah, it's this is a 10 second sample. Yep. And then you could one of the things that we're building out right now is um, if I go to this playlist, if I add this as the first line, and then let's say I grab some other little piece of copy, and I want to generate that now. So it really depends on the length of the audio file. So there's this voice talent recently that essentially her voice was being used on YouTube without her knowledge. And so she she sued and, and won. Um, and then she learned that we were also making these voices and, and came to us and said, well, I have my data. I can on, on, on TikTok, sorry. Um, so she came and we built her voice. So now you can, if you listen to this sample, you'll hear, you know, it's, it's a very kind of unique sounding voice made almost for short segments, but for the marinade, swing by aisle 7 for ponzu sauce. Add the juice of half a lime and brown sugar. Then bake at 400 degrees for just 15 minutes. It's amazing what you can do with health ingredients in under 30 minutes. For more ideas, tune into our recipe channel while you shop. So if I wanted to add that as the second clip, and maybe I want to put a bit of a pause in between or whatever, see, this is what you can do. And imagine store managers essentially just doing this for the different ads, adding a little music track behind it and push to go. And it right. goes right into their system. Yeah. So very no, simple way to kind of do. And, and imagine instead of all of these things, I these were like slot fills. If they were slot fills, you could do things like, you know, today it's ponzu sauce that's on sale or salmon that's on sale. Tomorrow it's something else. So they it doesn't 
And that data could come from a third party. So that data doesn't have to come from that person who's typing it in. It would just be from the inventory, like what's on raspberries are on sale today. So we're going to talk about clafouti or whatever, right? Um, So it's just drawing from third party APIs as well for this. No, I'm I'm really thinking about, I mean, uh, there's multiple ideas here where you could literally have programmatic uh, audio advertising where text is being fed in and then it's, uh, you know, so somebody's writing the copy and with, you know, with, with some kind of meta tags and that metadata, which tells the voice how to generate it, it's being pushed through a system and then it's being distributed through a network and it's being played, you know, all over the place. Right. I mean, this is pretty awesome. So outside of, I mean, of course, and, and of course each brand can have its own voice so to say that that's representing it. What is the what are the protections in terms of the person has on when they record their voice? I mean, can they mint an NFT and push it out? And then you know, I mean, I'm guessing this this has to be some privacy protection and some ownership rights of the person who's creating this, right? Absolutely. And actually, that's like what I remember I said earlier that one of the hardest things is getting the talent to think about this as an extension of them. And so we do a rev share model with the talent. It is their vocal likeness. I mean, their voice is their identity. It's like a fingerprint, essentially, right? And so, and we also know now voice is being used in so many different ways for security and protection. So for example, if you have someone's voice built and then you use it for, you know, unknowingly or, or knowingly to break into their bank account, for example, because voice is your password now too, right? And so we do a lot of things in order to make sure that it's only licensed users that can use this. We have ways to watermark the voice file itself and to make sure that it isn't being used elsewhere. This is That's why this is so, I think there's a security element to this. And there's also all of this sort of new work and precedent on how to set up these relationships with the talent. And I think it has to be a win-win because it can't just be, you know, you take someone's voice and you build it like this, especially when you're talking about real talent or anybody, in fact, because voices be, you can't just switch out your voice, right? <laughs> Someone yeah. stole my voice, just change it. No, that's not possible. Wow. Yeah. So your, your voice is IP. Yeah. <laughs> voice is your IP. Yeah. 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 Just oh, voice over so IP, but now voice is IP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or ID. Oh, this, yeah. this is wild. So, Rupal, that, that interface you just showed us where you were entering text and, and so on, is that the, the interface that a, a client would use? Yes. That okay. is our front end. So it's as easy as that. Yeah, exactly. So we train them how to use that. And so our customers are trained on what are the tips and tricks of how to use it well, because there is some element of actually like a learning curve at the beginning, right? But uh, that is the, and the reason we went with sort of a very low code method is because there's no assumption being made there that this one, someone, I didn't show you one of the things, but um, you can actually see all the SSML tags, which are the tags that are being used to tell the voice how to say these things. That's typically, if you use Alexa or Google, that's what you're doing. You're typing in all of these, uh, the text-to-speech services on those platforms. You type in those SSMLs to make it sound right. We took a little bit of that away from it, of, away from the end user. So it could be anybody. It's literally, we want someone who's in, you know, second or third grade to be able yeah. to use something like this and have fun with it. In fact, I think young kids would go crazy over being able to do voiceovers and in, a, in an easy way. So we're actually going to also do some curriculum training with high school kids to see if they can learn how to use this technology and by virtue, learn about AI and speech. Yeah. Wow. No, so, Shaker, stop and think about you can create 
some messages to leave for Harry when you're away out of town. And uh, Harry, so Harry is uh, Shaker's dog, right? Harry will think you're there talking to him. That's right. That's right. I have to go on my camera and speak through my camera to tell him. But now I can just have pre-scheduled messages playing. That's right. That's right. (laughs) this, This is fascinating. I mean, I can see applications, Gary, across many, many fields, not just, you know, retail is just one, one piece of it. I can see it. Oh, I mean, you know, I, for, for a long time, I always thought there's, there's got to be a way of having a, like a, a sign language transcoder into voice. So imagine, you know, somebody speaking in sign language and you have some computer vision, which interprets it into text and it's played back through voice. So you can yeah. literally give, give, give them a voice that uh, can be played back, which is, I think, the applications are are fascinating here. Yeah, this goes so many places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm glad we got RuPaul as a, as the guest on the retail perch, and she can say I was there. <laughs> so, or at least we can say RuPaul was there because you know, right. I I think this is just incredibly promising. I think if you're a retailer out there listening to this and you want to try out some of this technology, is it possible, RuPaul, for retailers to maybe get in touch with you and say, hey, is there a way for us to pilot this? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, we actually even have a free trial to use Parrot Studio with a few of the voices and we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, just contact us at vocalid.ai. Fantastic. So vocal, V-O-C-A-L-I-D.ai. That's RuPaul's website. And then you can put in a request there and reach out to her. But, uh, you know, we are, I am so sure that we're going to have RuPaul back here because <laughs> it seems like every guest we have here, Gary, Basically, this is our smart tactic: is to get our guests back, so we don't have to book the guests <laughs> coming back. So we've got you know one year booked at a time. But but no, uh, Rupal, we're also going to send you a coffee mug. Oh, cool! If you send us your mailing address, uh, yeah. we'll make sure you get a coffee mug. But the only condition is that next time you show up on the retail perch, you got to be having that coffee mug with you. There we go. Okay. Right. And I put tea in it. I can exactly, put tea in it. Exactly, exactly. Tea or coffee or whatever. <laughs> Or exactly. whatever you want to drink. <laughs> it is okay. I would have loved to have gotten in a conversation maybe next time uh, talking about, you know, uh, what is what is the role of voice really for a brand in retail? What is it? You know, I think you talked about trust. It's a it's a the currency of trust. Tell me a little bit more about how do you what, what is the psychology behind that that you guys must have I'm surely thought about. Yeah. Yeah, we think a lot about that, actually. I mean, there was a lot of research that has been done over the, you know, last few decades, really, around which voices we find convincing or trustworthy. Some of it is dated research. And also, there's a lot of product decisions today that are being made on 1970s, 1980s research, you know, talking about the fact that most things that are going to be informative are going to be a female voice because it's more nurturing. It's this and that. Society has changed so much. So I feel like there, a lot of this research does need some updating. But it's really interesting. Some of the work around demographics and around culture, I think, is really interesting, especially as we start like DEI and conversations about culture and, and like community are so much more important and relevant in today's world that the one voice method that we used to have for branding, you know, people thought about you have a voice for your entire brand. That's your Uber voice, right? Um, For like your target, you have a voice. The problem is that Target's market audience is a bunch of different audiences, right? And so 
potentially you should be speaking differently to your different audiences in order to build that relationship. So I think that we haven't even really explored the relationship between marketers and, and brands and the end user yet, because we've been stuck in this world of it's going to cost millions or the spokesperson is so expensive. So we're only going to go with one, but everyone's not listening on the same channel. And so it, it really is important to be thinking about what is that strategy around if you do have multiple voices, are they in the same family of voices or not? Because you can't have like sort of schizophrenic voices, like one voice sounds really different than another. But can you have different styles of voices? And I don't even just mean with accents. I think about things like you have older people. So um, many older people have uh, hearing deficits, right? And so it may be a really good idea for the speech to be slowed down or focus on the real content words for those individuals. And for millennia, they're not going to listen to you if it's super slow. And so change the speaking pattern. So it's not even about accent in that way. It's actually about the delivery of the voice. So Wow. So Shaker, that, that takes me to, you know, a, a personalized relevant voice, right? Oh. Based upon your profile mm -hmm. as a shopper, consumer, subscriber in healthcare, right? What, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this, you're so right, Gary, because, you know, I think it happens uh, to in our daily lives, right? You talk to people and then you wish they hadn't said it in that way. You know, I wish you'd said it this way. And I think we respond to style and how something, uh, somebody expresses themselves. It basically opens up the door to really having communication, right? Otherwise, you, you slam the door shut when somebody doesn't sound friendly. And, well, yeah. And, you know, you think about different accents, you know, different people have difficulty listening or understanding to people with different accents uh, and so on. I, I mean, Man, there's no, there's no end to where this goes. So what about uh, before we uh, kind of draw down? We're kind of coming up to 45 minutes, which is, I think, about the time our listeners want to stop thinking, wondering when this episode is going to end. But <laughs> I don't want to get there. But, uh, but I have one question, which is, you know, what about uh, multiple languages? You know, how does how does it work? Is there is there a different model that gets trained because intonations change with language and things like that? Oh yeah, everything changes with the language. And so you have to start with the training data in that language. Um, so we were primarily English. And then this year we started working with a company that wanted us to also build a Spanish voice for their interactive voice response system. And so we built the same talents uh, there was bilingual talents. So we built his English voice as well as a Spanish voice because they wanted the user experience. And this is interesting. This brand is really thinking about the fact that what they used to have was an English voice and then the Spanish voice was just some other voice. And it wasn't really, mm. it wasn't really a Spanish voice that was like a, a native Spanish speaker. And so the user experience from the, per, from the side of Spanish speakers was that they're getting a secondhand sort of a experience. Right. And so they wanted to have that experience be even across the users. And so it was really interesting that they put time and effort into making that come out right. So we are, we've got other languages on our roadmap. We're mostly focusing right now though on English and Spanish. German and French are also on that roadmap. And you can imagine there could be some translation stuff. We're really a text-to-speech focus though and trying to get all sorts of accents. Because even just in this country, people speak differently oh. depending on where you yeah. are. And it's important. It's a really important way. If we want to be listening to each other, I think we have to be able to speak to each other in ways that 
feel familiar as well. I think it can't be, you know, all the news is coming from Washington and all sounds a certain way. If we want to convince and we want to delight and we want to engage people, voice is a definite way to do that. Completely agree. Completely agree. Hopefully we've been speaking the language that our listeners like here, Gary. So <laughs> I'm going to record a sample for Rupal and see how I can tweak my voice to get the right trust level going. <laughs> but uh, Rupal, this has been so fascinating. Thank you so much for showing up here as a guest. I've been so looking forward to this conversation. Gary, anything before we close? Yeah, no, this has been fascinating. Thank you for being with us today. And we will look forward to talking with you again, hopefully soon. Yeah, Thank absolutely. So and then for the, for those of you guys out there, thanks again for your support and continue listening to us. And I want to thank Stephanie again for putting this entire podcast together. She's the one who does all the hard work. So thanks, Stephanie and uh, Rupal. Thank you so much. We'll hope to see you back here soon. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Jager. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank you. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off.